0: Welcome to this week's episode of Trusted Tech Talks podcast with me, Rihanna, and my guest speaker, Jason Kingston from Cube Thinking. Lately, there has been more and more of a debate around what high performing teams really look like and why they are important. So, this week, we're going to take a real deep dive into the factors that make a high performing BA team and what they contribute to the business as a whole. Hi, Jason. Just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know how manic you are over there at Cube Thinking. So um appreciate you taking the time to come and have a chat with us at Trusted Tech Talks. Um, just to give a bit of context to everyone that's listening, um, me and Jason have been having quite a lot of conversations over the last couple of months about the BA world, about what is happening in business analysis and the good old topic, products versus BA. Um, So we have a lot that we're gonna be covering. Um, If you do have any follow-up questions on the back of what me and Jason are speaking about, then please just drop me or anyone at Maxwell Bond or Trusted Tech Talks a quick email. And I'm sure Jason would love to do another session to answer any questions. (laughs) Um, So just to get cracking, uh, the topics that we will try to cover, they are how to set up high-performing BA teams, why hiring the right BAs is integral to success, business analyst market trends, as a candidate, how you can stand out in the BA market, and then the differentiation between BA and product teams. So we'll go- just kick off going through each topic one by one. And then hopefully you'll all have some amazing questions that we can follow up with maybe in another session. Um, so, does that sound good to you, Jason? It's fantastic.
1: Thank you. I hardly slept last night looking forward to this.
0: <laughs> I would love to say that's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Real- uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit passionate about these things as you probably know.
0: So. I guess just for everyone listening or watching on the videos, I guess it would be great just to kind of get a little bit of an introduction from yourself about who you are and what you do.
1: Okay, fine, thank you. So one of the founding directors of Cube Thinking, so we're a business performance practice. We have a consultancy arm and we have a training arm. In the consultancy arm, we have clients across different sectors, manufacturing, engineering, education, and we also have social housing in there as well as digital. um, And we've got a big contract builder as well so across a bit across a bit of a board really of client types and we also have an arm where we provide finance directors we have another arm where we provide legal directors sales directors and um, other elements as well so myself and the my business partner we, we describe ourselves as generalists if you will um i'm wired as a business analyst always have been always will be i started off as an accountant uh then went to become an auditor uh, a little bit time as a financial advisor that wasn't really for me, uh, and then went on to becoming a an analyst. So effectively, I've gone from being counter to being checker to being grower. That's kind of my journey, if you will. Uh, quite passionate about business analysis, the roots of business analysis, the origins of it, taking it back through Toyota, Deming, and the spirit of continuous improvement in Kaizen. From that perspective, but also recognising where it's branched off in various different ways and some ways which are in its strength distinguishable from the old lean Six Sigma um, TQM type of prudence, which is right because that's continuously prudent, things evolve. So, and as an analyst, I like to analyze business analysis. <laughs> you <can get laughs> and not just here, business
0: analysis, talk. your whole life. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Hence, why I'm, I'm in a room, this is just a war bunker here, so it's full of post it notes because <laughs> you, you know, you've know, you got to break extra economics, aren't you? <laughs>
0: Um, But no, great, obviously, um, just for everyone listening. um, I actually know Jason because he used to work in our office and he was always up and around talking. um, So definitely any tips or tricks Jason can give to you, I would 100% take through. So I guess just to kick things off then, just to start then, um, let's start with the first topic then on how to set up high-performing teams. I guess the natural first question really is, what does a high-performing BA team look like to you? Yeah,
1: so um, I'm, I'm looking up slightly, so I've got the double screen on here because I just I tried to prep a couple of notes <laughs> to think it through, every analyst. So for myself, for what does a high-performing BA team look like? The key areas I would say is look like an internal consultancy. It's got a balance of skills. A broad toolkit, so not exclusively from one domain or another, not just, oh, this is a Lean toolkit, this is a Six Sigma toolkit, this is an Agile Scrum VSDM toolkit, behavior-driven design toolkit, or otherwise, have a broad toolkit. Because at the end of the day, you need to be a team of generalists, because the specialists are the subject matter experts you might be working with. Ideally, within the team, either somebody's in an office administrator role or providing that function, or office manager. And also you've got clear processes of your own. So you can't be like the cobblers kid choose where you're doing everything great work for everybody else, but you're never taking care of your own. So you've got decent processes yourselves and efficient processes. You should be an exemplar. If you want to practise efficiency, effectiveness and high performance, really, you do need to be a high-performing team yourselves and evidencing that with your performance. What's the return on investment? Should ideally be a BA team operating as a consultancy should Returning internally, probably four times the cost of that session. when you look at the efficiencies from there. Uh, you've got time as a BA team, you need time to sharpen your apps, so to speak, to have the helicopter view, to understand the business and the organization that you're working in. So you should know your internal client better than they know themselves um, to those ends. It should have compassionate leadership. Uh, BAs often have challenges, as they do, because they're high thinking people. So it should be compassionate leadership and it should be, like I said, internally client-focused, um, empathetic with a decent, and uh, the team got a good bedside manner, if you will. I hope that's okay. I hope I read okay for my little magic list
0: <laughs> No, I love it, I love it. Like every, I think from my side, from speaking to clients, um, high-performing teams looks very different in every sort of organization. Exactly. Um, so I guess on that, is the process always the same? If no, how do you sort of decide which way is best? Is it just gut instinct? Is it just, you just take the risk and flow with it?
1: <laughs> no, um, I don't think the process is always the same. It's not one size fits all. And the design of the team needs to the, uh the business or the internal client needs, not just what they want, but also the corporate vision, mission, strategy, and associated metrics need to understand the key value streams in the organisation. So somebody needs to be the architect of the BA team, to be launched, um, And the, the process for that is therefore different depending on what the needs are. It may be this more digitally based business. It might be more analogue. It might be manufacturing. It might be in engineering. It could be in thought products, training, whatever it is. If you're the BA team, it needs to ensure that you understand the business and the systems architecture that you're operating in. And that doesn't mean you as an expert, but as a generalist, you understand what's happening. And equally, the team should be bespoke to the organisation and have the ability to flex as needed so um, just ultimately, a lot of your work that you'll be handling will be coming through either your, your, your funnel, which will be prioritised, have a prioritisation matrix or otherwise. So it's just recognising the flex and the demands. And equally, there needs to be a bit of strength in your capacity planning too.
0: Yeah. yeah. I guess like in terms of the teams then, Mm -hmm. do the teams always look the same, i.e. business analyst, do you have like, do you like normally tend to differentiate the business analyst so like business change, business process, more techie, we even see more agile uh, BAs as well that are more like digital?
1: Yeah, so what's usually useful as a leader of a team is to do skills matrix and to have a decent skills matrix assessment and actually when you're recruiting in is to see where areas that you may be stronger. So if you've got strength in the DMAIC side, which is the old sort of the lean of figure it world, find, measure, analyze, and that, and you're heavy in there, but you're lower in the digital skills and the systems elements to that, not necessarily as a systems analyst, but as a digital BA, then you may need to recruit stronger in there. Equally, as I said, as the internal demands alter, you may need to change the recruitment or the development of colleagues. A skills matrix is one of the best visuals you can get to do that. You've yeah, who are the people? What are the skills? I like doing it because it's like pies because I'm from Bolton, but <laughs> it's, um, it's just it's looking at those measures of who's strong and who's not, and who you pair up and playing the squad to so the business need. But equally, one can buddy upon on with another.
0: Yeah, I guess. Do you have like a certain skills matrix model? Yes, to I guess if well, perfect. Uh, what does that sort of look like if you can describe it?
1: Yeah, so as either you've onboarded new colleagues and you understood what their backstory is or you've inherited a team from there, as part of your discovery with the team is what do do they know about themselves? What don't they know about themselves? Because we don't know what we don't know. And it's capturing that then with regards to what's the skills, knowledge and behaviours that team members have got. We've all got different personality types. That's great. You may be somebody who overextends. If you're familiar with that element of psychology, under stress yeah. in a particular way. So certain situations may suit certain colleagues. There. And it's looking at the balance of the team. You do not want a team of clones. Far from it. You want a team of people who are different. So you've got diversity of thought. Because the business analysts will not always be operating individually solving problems on their own. Actually, strength comes from coming back to the team having that stand-up, having that power and get to the grips of that. The skills matrix is a useful model. because You can understand from the process of discovery, one-to-one interviews, who's got what skills, knowledge and behaviours, and then it's overlaying those individual ones from a team perspective and thinking, right, where are we strong, where are we not strong? How do yeah, we play yeah. the squad? I mean, then it's, it's up to the leader then to see, well, how does that land with your internal client, you know, or with the rest of the organisation? How does yeah. that match? So, for example, in social housing, um, if you are high-paced and you're high-focused from a manufacturing point, it's, that has its uses in, uh, let's say, in a direct labour organisation or in the factories or the stores, but in other areas, that tenacity may brass off some of your internal clients. So it's yeah. just looking yeah. at how you play the team in there you don't approve a fantastic BA by playing them in, in a different way. Yeah, lifting the fog is the skills matrix, and it's just a simple. It's the simplest one pager you can get, but it's it's absolutely golden.
0: Yeah, definitely, because I think that's a lot of challenges that um, when I'm speaking to hiring managers that are looking for BAs, they've kind of not differentiated between the different types of BAs, and those that don't last in the company or you know they leave after a short period Mm. of time and they're just not working out. It's not it's nine times out of 10 because they've hired maybe the wrong type of BA to suit yeah. the organisation's needs. So definitely that skills matrix. And I suppose if anyone's listening, if you want to maybe have a look at that skills matrix, I'm sure that's something me and Jason can maybe share on social media Absolutely. after,
1: um,
0: after this for you guys. Um, I guess moving on then, in terms of when you have set up from your experience, yeah. uh, you've done this in quite a lot of organisations, what challenges have you come across when you've been setting up these high-performing teams?
1: Great question. <laughs> High-performers and high-performing teams, they behave differently, and that's good, but they can be perceived by the rest of the organisation as a team of mavericks, and the see us as, you know, people who are high thinkers, but slightly different, slightly uneven, uh, I'm my might, I get that. And it's just recognising that most people in the world don't like change, there's a book, which if I was at home I'd be waving it up, <coughs> called Who Moved My Cheese, which is one of the best examples of it. And most people do not like change. Yeah. As a team of BAs, you're wired for change, you love change, you probably practice it in your personal lives to the end of the and you're totally comfortable in change. But the rest of the world is not like that. So that creates a bit of a concern, and the communication has absolutely got to be fantastic yeah. to communicate to the business. This is where, as a leader, business partner and it's like people say you're on a journey that's absolutely fine that's it we've got a fantastic squad crack squad who are there to help you and we'll play you in them in the journey but there's a slight difference between what you want and what you need yeah you may not be fully aware of but we can help you with that and that's where i think from the business analyst point of view where the BAs have got high emotional intelligence not just high iq they have got the ability to just to sit with people to take them on the journey without winding them up they getting the hackles up because <clears throat> you've got a team of change agents, and the you know, and that, so that can raise concerns. High performing people, though, at the same time, they need mental stimulation. Yeah, I'll give you a classic example at the moment <clears throat> pandemic. Some organizations have chosen to furlough the BAs, and I'm fully aware of been in conversations with many who they're just the same with the corporate commandos. We have the people in a war footing that you should have had on the trenches coming up with ideas with the problem solvers, with the thinkers. If we were valued in this space, then we're off, and I've known so many business analysts who were furloughed, and we've thought, if they've been viewed furlough as farewell, I'll go somewhere who wants me. Because yeah. a lot of business analysts, they need to be stimulated. They need that intellectual stimulation. They need problems to solve. And if not, in some cases, they'll get quite depressed. And it needs considering that. Because... Business analyst teams they need pastoral care. People with a high EQ and high IQ are typically quite vulnerable from mental health points of view and from taking care of themselves points of view, just because the high thinkers and the highly perceptive, but at the same time, because they've got good characteristics, they can sometimes um, get ground down a little bit. Yeah. So again, it's ensuring that the challenge as a leader of them is having broad enough shoulders to even say, I'm pulling you out of that project, it's not good for you. You know, because sometimes some of the people who don't get changed in the organisation, to be frank, you know, could damage the impacts of these good people. And I think as a leader of business analysts, it's just there to consider that actually they just want a digital designer or a digital requirements gatherer. That's a very, very different thing than a high-performing thinker who understands macroeconomic and microeconomic activity.
0: So I guess because a lot of, You know, a lot of organizations that I do work with don't have business analyst leaders. So they won't have like a BA manager or a head of or a lead BA. Um, You know, a lot of them tend to report into more like heads of delivery and even some respects heads of product in different organizations. What advice can you give to them sort of team setups who don't have that leader in BA to make sure that they're putting the right stuff in to look after the BAs?
1: ensure that the BAs have got access to a community of practice. Yeah. So I've worked in organisations as a lone BA where you were dissuaded from having external contacts. And I used to take annual leave and go to events. You need plugging into a community. You need plugging into that wider piece. Remember, you've got people who've got high emotional intelligence, high IQ. Putting them out there alone is going to make them vulnerable. Yeah. You need plugging into that bigger matrix. They will be seeking it online, but be on various different forums no and what But they need that touch point with people like them and somebody you can offer some guidance or leadership. Um, I'm still, a lot of the business analysts that I've managed in the past have gone on to various different roles, but we're still all plugged in because in some cases they've gone to be loaned in different places, but you still need to have them touch points. Of, is it me? Is it that? To run ideas past to draw on some group thing. So yeah. it's just, it, it is, it's protecting them really.
0: Perfect. So uh, just a question on the back of that then, obviously the pandemic, working from home, working patterns have changed, flexibility. What do you think is the best sort of route for the BAs? Do you think working fully remotely at home where they don't have that engagement in person with the team is good, it's okay? Or do you recommend that the BAs in the job that they're in, they're still getting that face-to-face contact? contact at least a couple of days a week to protect the mental health on that side
1: I think you're right I think uh, the hybrid option is definitely the best option you've got a group of people who when you are doing your analysis if you're doing let's say um, detailed data analysis and you're looking at correlation coefficients or if you're looking at trend analysis cause and effect side whatever it may be you're doing deeper analysis even to that degree you need brain space you need to work in a thinking environment and in a lot of cases working from home to do deep thought is great but business analysts are human beings that business analyst may not have a situation at home that they can do deep thought in so they may not need to still have access to somewhere they can go undisturbed and to do that somebody might split up with the missus and be sofa in yeah. the hours And I think we forget this sometimes, make an assumption that everybody's got the privilege, like I have, of having an office in the house. Most people haven't. Most people, you know, are are going to be working off the back of the couch, working in the bedroom, and not everybody lives in a perfect life, you know. And it it can be socially excluding if you assume that they have got that. You can have a fantastic business analyst who comes from a challenged background, and they may be the primary carer for the siblings, so people are kicking off in the background, left, right, and centre you lend me a 10 or whatever that's the real world yeah. the real people come from we want to cast our net wide we need to ensure the safe harvest for those business analysts and not just assume they've got access you know, to that beautiful middle class yeah of that there so having the ability to have a bit of both i think is right but equally for those who are working from home is not going to work then there needs to be space quiet areas in our yeah. office here bit in the corner there's the think tank which is you shut it off and the signal is to the world do not disturb
0: you know <laughs> we, the
1: agreement is we'll don't speak to each other but just bring a brew hour. And, and And that's good so I think you need that combination of both equally when you uh working having an ability to have a collaborative space I mean, you can see all the post that knows behind here we've had different members of our team in this week and it's just been like it's been a war bunker that is useful, and that's particularly useful when you're running stuff past each other and sharing ideas. Yeah, because at the end of the day, and their minds are sometimes a little bit fragile.
0: Yeah, and
1: strong it. and resilient too. So.
0: That's it. That like, I I fully connect with that. Like from a recruitment perspective, um, you know, you don't need other people. You can sort, you know, you look after your own desk, your own right. stuff. But it's that bouncing off ideas when you come across a challenge or you're just having a mind lag and you're just you're hitting your head against a brick wall and it's like I feel like I'm doing everything but I'm missing something and it's just having that camaraderie that when you feel like that you can just rather than setting up a team's and waiting for them to be free you can literally just yeah. grab someone and just say will you just sort me out for five minutes what it's is going on in my brain
1: <laughs> exactly I think somebody called them them serendipitous moments or them casual yeah. collisions and it is the point where somebody clock something I Oh, I have got so, as I'm talking to you, I've got second screen, I've got a busy open with uh, cross that with swim lanes and various, various different loops. Business partner, his background is manufacturing and engineering. This particular one's for a, 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 a social housing client for a, a direct labour organisation. But well, just that thing of, oh, I'm not going to do that, right? So, what they're doing in supply chain regarding runners, repeaters, and strangers yeah. analysis, which is his bread and butter. So, it's that cross pollination. If I'm working for home, you can't see that second screen of mine.
0: Thank you for listening into this week's episode of the trusted Tech Talk podcast with myself Rihanna and my guest speaker Jason Kingston from keep thinking. If you have had any questions about any of the topics that we discussed today please get in touch via linkedin or email me directly at rihanna.butler at maxwellbond.co.uk the plan is if we get loads of questions we're going to do a final summary podcast with all the questions related to all the topics that we've had in this mini podcast series also don't forget Please make sure that you're following Trusted Tech Talks on LinkedIn and Spotify so you don't miss on any future or any past episodes that you might have missed that you might find of interest. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for Jason for taking the time to speak with me today and uh, look forward to hopefully hearing from some of you soon.